1: Welcome to the State of Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring the insights of Longhorn Recruiting Analyst Mike Roach, hosted by Bobby Burton. Roach offers unparalleled insight into recruiting on the 40 Acres. Each week, he crisscrosses the state, watching and talking to blue-chip recruits. And I'm Bobby Burton, a 1992 Texas grad and one of the recruiting industry's founding fathers. I played a formative role in the creation of both 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. them. Hey Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Texas football team, maybe not so much. After, uh, you know, the score maybe wasn't indicative of just how badly the Longhorns got beat on Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, they dropped one uh, to the Sooners. There were recruits on hand, obviously. So, my question to you is Is there any fallout from that game thus far? Or what is the tone or tenor of recruits as, as we look back at that?
0: I mean I think luckily for Texas they did get it to within one score and it looks a lot more respectable on paper than it probably was and um so you know I, I think that they can still sell it as well we lost to another top 10 team and it was only by a score and um you know recruits obviously enjoy the the atmosphere of the game and um I think that that's probably in their heads a lot more. I'm not sure that anybody there freaked out about Texas the way probably some fans did. Uh, recruits always seem to either have, uh, you know, I guess a, a much longer view or a much more uh, laid-back view of a team. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, if that was the case, then you, you would think there would be a ton of fallout uh, from A&M with the group of visitors they had um, against Alabama. It's just not. You know, those kids, they – they just don't see things the same way that fans do. So I don't think there was a ton of fallout from from that. I think maybe the biggest thing we would see, um, it's something we reported a couple weeks ago, we talked about on this podcast and and have been following the story, excuse me, is that uh, is the Josh Eaton news that, uh, you know, from what I'm hearing, you know, the Oklahoma is extremely, extremely in deep for Josh Eaton, um, probably has a pretty decent chance to flip him. Um, from what I heard this week, I think that communication has been a little bit inconsistent with Eaton and the Texas staff. Um, I've also heard that communication has been very strong between Eaton and the Oklahoma staff. So to me, that just looks like signs going in kind of in the wrong direction.
1: So Texas at currently at twenty commitments with Eaton, who is a corner out of it's, it's Aldine MacArthur, right? Yes. Down down. So he's at Aldine Mac, and. Uh, long story short is he he bows out and goes to OU instead. That puts Texas at 19 – that would put Texas at 19 commitments. Uh, you know, I agree with you, Mike, um, from the standpoint of recruits, and I think it's a key point that you make. Recruits see things differently than fans. Fans are more invested in a particular program for a longer period of time, while the recruits are truly trying to get to know the program during this process not everybody grows up like Sam Ellinger where they want to be the Texas quarterback for the next you know for that 4 years in college most of them don't have those favorite teams they're fans more so of the Dallas Cowboys or New Orleans Saints or you know fill in the blank right and and so i think that that you make a great point that fans need to take a step back a little bit and understand the pieces of the puzzle, so to speak, because they're just not making the decisions based on that. Now, if, if the score ends up 66-3, to Adrian Peterson goes to OU over Texas. There, there, is, a, there right. is a difference. But when it's a one-score game, both teams had a chance – even though Texas, I thought looked, you know, borderline pathetic in certain instances. You know, OU didn't look great at times either, with uh, a couple of those ducks that
0: uh, Jalen hurts through. I think it's just I think the natural the natural way about it is is it's a one score game, yeah. But people who either a cover the team like you and I do, or b are are lifelong fans invested in the team, they sit there for the week after and they can remember and agonize over every play and every chance and we could have had this and we could have done that and that was a mistake and the kids just don't they leave and they think back to the game and they're like oh it's one score they were kicking an onside at the end of it it's just that's like the biggest difference to me
1: mike before we want to move on i want to make sure folks know that we also have two other podcasts that they can download one is called the blitz it's with jeff howe primary football writer for uh Horns 24-7. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, etc. And then also we have a new podcast coming out with Chip Brown uh, as the lead. He uh, is a longtime observer of Longhorn Sports and reporter uh, and uh, the head head, uh, writer for uh, Horns 24-7. And it is called The Flagship. So, you guys uh, that enjoy this podcast, please uh, give a listen to those as well. If you enjoy Longhorn sports, both of those are more team-oriented than this, which is uh, Mike and I try to stay on top of recruiting as as much as we can. Mike, uh, the guy that is uh, building uh, and knows these kids, you know, really, really well. Mike, uh, speaking of that, uh, the Longhorns. Uh, Recently, kind of parted ways with a recruit that for a long time they led for uh, a young man out of California, L.V. Bunkley, uh, a receiver. Can you tell me about the, that situation?
0: Yeah, so <clears throat> there were some things that came up, um, and they decided to kind of just part ways. And um, it's why we've seen so much movement at the wide receiver position. You know, it's why uh, Kelvonte Dixon has entered the picture. It's why a guy like ha- or Kelvonte Dixon, of course, the uh, Ke- Keontae Ingram's little brother from Carthage. Uh, it's why Dejon Harrison, a new name from Hutto, has kind of popped up on the radar. Um, and Texas, of course, still in it for, for Midland Lee, wide receiver Loic Fungi. Um, you know, they really liked LV. Um, he, he really impressed them at their, uh, their satellite camp in the summer that I was at, uh, was easily the best kid there. I think a really natural and smooth receiver. Um, there were just some things that didn't line up for them that they needed. Um, and they decided to move on and maybe fill those spots with uh, somebody else. But, um, I think, uh, you know, for Texas, they've, they've really just are, they're in that mode where it's, we're down to the end and it's trying to just Make sure that they maximize everything they can get out of these last few pieces they're going to put into the class.
1: Uh, you mentioned the last few few pieces, and I, I think that it it behooves us now to talk about uh, the official visitors that are coming in for the Kansas game. Do you have uh, a list of you have the official list thus far at least uh, of who we expect in for their official visits to
0: Texas this weekend? Yeah, the only guys we have marked down as official visitors is two. We've got Alfred Collins, the defensive lineman from Cedar Creek in Bastrop, uh, Texas. That's a huge uh, one, Mike. That's, that's, that's. Yeah, I mean, that's massive. Probably the biggest target left on the board for Texas. Um, you know, it's, We've got him listed at 6'5", 275. I'm really interested for him to get a postseason measurement at one of those all-star games because when I saw him this year, he looked a lot more like maybe 6'6", 6'7", 300. Um, he almost looks like an offensive tackle to me uh, anymore every time I see him. Um, but just a just a massive target for Texas. Could be the you know, really the finishing touches on their on their pretty good defensive line class they've put together here. And then Loic Fungi, the wide receiver from Midland Lee, six foot four, one ninety-four, uh, great speed. He's he's a guy that's gonna look a lot like Brendan Eagles, who um, could line up at that Z position, threaten downfield. Uh, With the size and speed, I think he'll catch the ball a little better um, and is uh, just a really great all-around athlete. He's a a punter, a kicker as well. So um, he kind of just has it all. It's a kid I've really loved for a long time. um, And I kind of pushed his name out there for a long time And Texas, uh, finally came around and offered in in the late spring and summer. And um, I just uh, really like this kid's skill set since the first time I saw him on film a year or two ago.
1: Mike let me ask you a question and and this and so first of all I I think I agree on Alfred Collins I think Alfred Collins has a chance it might I mean you could make the argument that he's the best prospect in the state so taking him out of the equation I want to go back to this receiver situation because I think it it bears directly on the Texas offense right now against OU Texas, other than Duvernay and Colin Johnson, Texas really couldn't get open very much. Um, is that I know part of that is some of the offensive play calls. At times, you have to be a little more conservative, et cetera. But I mean, who in this class of Texas receivers or young Texas receivers outside of because both both Duvernay and and uh, Johnson are gone next year. Outside of Jake Smith and possibly Josh Moore, which one of these guys these these slot guys or, or outside guys are actually going to get open and not just be these big massive outside targets
0: yeah it's a good question you know I mean that was kind of the knock on for the Eagles when he um, was coming out of high school his his ability to get open and and uh, ability to beat press. I think it is a knock for Troy O'Meara as well. Um, I think, uh, you know, who's currently in the Texas class from Fort Bend Austin, they really like to recruit these big guys. Uh, I think Quentin Johnston, the wide receiver from Temple, can get it open. He's gotten a lot better. His release is off the line and um, seems to have a better knack for creating separation. But, you know, he was a guy that I saw last January at a camp and, and he had a lot of trouble, uh, you know, just getting open there. So, I think that's what you uh, what you really get when you recruit and prioritize a lot of size at receiver. Those guys are easier to jam. They're bigger targets, and um, you know you've got to generate that production somewhere. I think Vernon Eagles can do it now. I mean, he's getting better, getting open. The problem was he couldn't catch the ball uh, on Saturday.
1: <laughs> he dropped one square in the face mask. I,
0: I mean, I, I can think of a few that like. You know, they hit him, and uh, I think you're thinking probably, Bobby, that quick slant they threw him. That's the one I that's stick it out in my head. But yep. I think there were a couple they threw him downfield that you just expect a guy of his size to go and get. And I don't think he gives you that ability. I don't think he gives you the ability that other than what's there, and if you throw it out to him and he's one-on-one, he'll probably catch it. I don't think he's going above two guys to, to bring a ball in, and um you know, they really need guys like that. I think Omir and, uh, and, and, uh, and Quentin Johnston give you that factor, but yeah, I mean, it, it is a, a, you know, really something to worry about is finding guys that can uh, create separation off the line of scrimmage, use space and then, and then catch the ball afterwards.
1: And I, and I tell you one of the reasons why I think that's much more important in the college game than may, maybe people realize, um, the, the. Pass interference slash holding calls in college and rules are different than they are in the league, in the NFL. They're much more lax in the secondary uh, with bumps five yards down. I mean, you literally can have a guy riding a guy out of bounds in college that would be a pass interference or holding call in the pros. And so if you don't create that separation – they're gonna ride them and ride them, and I think I thought, oh, you did a good job over that, even though a good job of that, even though they got a number of penalties in the secondary in the second half, in particular, the those bigger receivers are, are gonna be bigger targets for those those uh, DBs to kind of ride on a little bit. So, uh, you know, I-, I I looked at the list and I didn't see anybody. I, I mentioned you-, you mentioned Johnston because I think he is a quick twitch guy that. Is the rare six foot four guy that can create massive separation and not just be a physical mismatch? Because you know, I feel like you know anybody that can high jump six ten or whatever he did is going to be quick twitch—the very definition of it. But is Quay Davis the twenty twenty one kid similar? Is he that kind of guy? You think?
0: Oh, yeah. If you, I mean, if you want to get to the 2021 class, I think that the thing that makes Quay Davis special is he is very tough to jam. He's very tough to get on because his feet are so quick. Uh, and he can he's kind of that guy who can manipulate his body in different ways where you're never going to really get a square shot on him. Um, I think he's actually and I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I saw him. I thought he was a pure like Z target to be on the outside and go deep. I think that kid is turning more and more into a slot. Uh, at Texas, and um, is is, I think that they love what he could do on the inside there. Just because, you know, he plays on a sky. On- pretty bad team now, and they played uh, Duncanville a few weeks ago and got killed. But there were plays where they would throw the ball out to him, and he would immediately have four Duncanville defenders in his face, and he'd at least make three of them miss in space before the fourth one got him. So he's got that kind of special ability uh, with the ball in his hands. Um, and I think Loic Fungi, uh, the, the kid coming in this week from Midland Lee has that same type of ability. His feet, uh, when I saw him in a seven-on-seven tournament in the summer— um, we're very clean, you know, and and I think that's what it takes to get off the line is just really quick and clean feet, um, and I think that's his. You know, he's a as a soccer background, and I think that that really comes into play there. Yeah, I, I I get that. It
1: sounds like you're battling a cold a little bit, Mike. I don't mean to yeah to bring out the anytime, negative.
0: <laughs> anytime the weather changes, my allergies go crazy.
1: So. Oh, well, welcome to Texas, right? Um, because the weather will change. the The question I the, the next thought on this on this topic I guess goes to um if you're looking at these guys as downfield guys getting open or across the middle and crossing routes etc you know I don't think guys like Malcolm Epps will ever have that ability to actually create more separation than other than by his body um and I kind of wonder you know Is Texas getting too many of those type of guys? Maybe they are, maybe they're not. I don't know. Um, And I guess uh, we'll have to wait and see. One last thing. The one kid I did see that I thought, that I've seen this year, that I thought could play that role is a young man down in uh, the Fort Bend area in Houston, Devin Oshane. I don't know how to say his last name. But he's a smaller guy that can really run. Did Texas even look at him, and and, and I think he's going to A&M, is that right? Well, he's he's too.
0: undecided. He actually just came off of an LSU visit. But um, for the Forbin Marshall, first of all, is one of the fastest schools in America. Right. They've got um, the top track team in America. By the way, those guys are all their flag runners. They run the flags out before the team takes the field. So they have the fastest flags in America, <laughs> they um, It's like their whole sprint relay team but they got, or, of guys who don't play. But yeah, uh, Devon Achant, I believe it's Devon uh, Chani. Somebody told me I have to say his name once and I can never remember. Um, he is kind of your classic slot back type guy. He plays a little running back. He plays a little slot. He's an electric speed guy. He can take the ball one step and go. Texas did offer him, <clears throat> but he wants to play running back. And Texas wasn't really in a position to offer him a chance to play running back. You know, they had uh, were chasing guys like Bijan Robinson. Um, they, they already had Ty Jordan kind of zeroed in for for an elite speed guy who can play running back. And uh, so, you know, I think that he never really gave Texas a, a decent shot after that. And so, um, yeah, I think it's down to probably LSU and uh, A&M and Auburn. I think is in there as well.
1: Gotcha. OK. Um, next segment, Mike, I want to talk about we always try to do this every week. Where did you go last week? Tell us what you saw and then where are you going this week on the road?
0: Yeah, on Thursday, um, Thursday of last week, I went out to Maynard uh, and I saw, or actually went out to Leander and saw Maynard versus Leander Rouse to see Prince Lee Oma Milan um, on a Thursday night. Uh, I thought he was pretty good. You know, I mean, that was kind of a, I've been skeptical of, of Prince Lee's ability and um, it was kind of a prove it game to me. Uh, where I wanted to see him in person. It was my first chance to see him in person in pads. And um, he he really kind of surpassed my expectations. I thought he was pretty active, um, kept his motor running. Uh, they lined him up kind of all over the defensive line. He played inside. He played like four-eye. He played a little bit of, of outside linebacker and, and edge rush. And um, was productive, you know. I mean, that's really one of the bigger things I look for in in high school defensive linemen: is do they have, are they lazy? Basically, because um, I think it's really easy for big guys in high school to coast by on their athleticism and be lazy. And I didn't see that out of uh, Princeley. Um, <clears throat> he uh, he created a couple tackles for loss. He had a sack, uh, forced a fumble, recovered a fumble. So uh, a pretty good game for him on the night overall. Um, and then on Friday. Uh, I was back up and down I-35. Bobby, I know you you don't live in the state anymore, but I-35 has just turned into the biggest nightmare in the world uh, between Dallas and, and Austin anymore. And uh, Waco, in particular, is ground zero for that. So uh, I made two trips through there uh, and went back to Temple to see Quentin Johnston, who we just talked about, um, against Killeen. And it was really a quiet game. I mean, he opened the scoring. They threw him like a 30-yard touchdown pass where he just cruised past the corner and basically walked into the end zone. Uh, but Temple's quarterback, you know, struggled to locate the ball. Uh, he did not struggle to run. They kind of started their offense on his legs, and they got out to a pretty big lead uh, pretty early on, and so there just wasn't really much use to, to keep forcing the ball to Quentin, so um you know Texas or uh, uh, Temple was able to just, just kind of roll to a, to a big win and i think uh Quinton ended the game with something over a couple maybe five catches for a little bit over 50 yards and a touchdown
1: was Gar- was Gary Patterson <clears throat> was Gary Patterson at that game
0: somebody yeah, told me Gary, that- Yeah Gary Patterson rode up on the elevator with me uh, <laughs> to, to the press box um him and uh and Malcolm Kelly the uh, TCU wide receiver coach the former Oklahoma coach I was like, former Oklahoma receiver. Um, so uh, they were there, and it's, it seemed like they were there to check out uh, 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 Quentin Johnston. Um, you know, I was told they're still very much in on him. Um, I talked to Quentin after the game, and he, you know, he acknowledged that it was very nice that they did come out to um, to see him, but that he's 100% committed, not planning to take any other visits, and really hasn't been answering any calls from, from other schools lately.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that's one of those guys, handful of guys that Texas does not want to lose in this recruiting class because, as we just went over, uh, uh, as we just went over, I mean, Texas needs some receivers that can get open and create yeah. separation. Um,
0: desperate. So this, so this week, um, I've got three games. I'll do a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, so Thursday, I will be out to see. Uh, Southlake Carroll, as they play Keller Fossil Ridge, so I'll be able to get uh, a look at Andre Carriage the, the Texas commit, the offensive tackle from um, Southlake, who I think is probably the guy in the class who's going to be the biggest riser at the end of the year. I think that you'll see him go from... Uh, near the bottom of the class and ranking to, I would say, almost near the top. I think there's a chance he could be the top-ranked offensive lineman in this class, uh, at least of the committed guys that Texas has. And then also Quinn Ewers, their, their special 2022 quarterback who Texas recently offered. Uh, I've known Quinn for a little bit and since he was uh, in eighth grade playing seven-on-seven. Seven, but this is his first year of getting varsity action. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to see him in pads for the first time. I think he's a, he's a special player, and probably the guy in Texas will be um, heavily in for in 2022. And then on Friday, I will be going to Houston um, to see Katie Taylor and, and Hayden Connor. Um, they're playing Maid Creek. And Saturday, I will be back in Katie to see. Uh, Jalen Milrow, Katie Tompkins' take on Morton Ranch. So I'm going to go see uh, a couple of the foundation pieces for the 2021 class Friday and Saturday.
1: Gotcha. Don't uh, Katie Taylor also has another offensive lineman that Texas really
0: likes too, right? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Bryce Foster, um, who plays right next to Jaden Connor, and to me, Bryce Foster is probably it's either him or Donovan Jackson. Are, are probably the safest players in the state of Texas for, for 2021. I think that while they don't have, you know, the huge um, either athleticism or, or massive frames, I think that those guys are just two really solid, really salty football players that are going to be really, really good contributors at the next level, um, a, you know, and and at, at a minimum are probably going to be, you know, just solid starters. So, I, and I think you you take some of those guys sometimes. And um, so to me, I really like both those guys. So interested to see uh, Foster as well.
1: All right, Mike, before we let go, I've got two things, two last things. One is, uh, and this is uh, relative to uh, what we were just talking about with the receivers, I th- I forgot about Marcus Washington. I think that he might be a guy that can get open for Texas in the years to come on the outside. I I, I like what I've seen thus far from him. I like a little bit of what I've seen from Kennedy Lewis in that regard, although I don't know that Kennedy Lewis is necessarily as as short space quick or body control quick as Marcus Washington. So that's one, I just wanna mention that. Number two, and this is really more for you, putting you on the spot here, who's the next commitment for Texas?
0: I um, recently put in a pick for Calvante Dixon to flip his commitment. I think that Rats are jumping off the ship at Arkansas. Um, and uh, so I would say that Calvante that Dixon is the next guy to commit to Texas. So good. All right. Got to follow that up because I
1: did. You said Rats jumping off the ship. The, the Crawford kid, Tykeese Crawford at uh, Carthage is Calvante's teammate. Has Texas had any interest in him?
0: They have, but I just think uh, from an academic standpoint, I don't think it's going to be a fit for Texas. And um, I think he's going to have some troubles there. Um, so I think uh, that's where their main concern has been. Their main hesitation has been. Um, and, you know, I think that they really like their offensive line group that they're they're bringing in right now. And next year's group
1: is supposed to be really special too. The, <clears throat> right. Insanely good. So you don't want to, don't want to take too many when, in, unless they meet, meet what you want up front. All right. Um, just a reminder to the, those of you guys listening, uh, also please try to download uh, and listen to uh, the Blitz podcast with Jeff Howe and the flagship with uh, uh, Chip Brown and Taylor Estes. Mike, thanks for coming in. I'll do the uh, segue out of this, and uh, we'll talk to you again next
0: week, okay? all right we appreciate it guys thanks everyone for listening i would say also if you're listening on like itunes or something please go in there and give us a uh, review and a five-star rating or whatever stars you think we like five stars but um that really helps our podcast get out there on itunes to maybe people who, who don't know to go look for it maybe people who are just browsing so uh we appreciate everybody for listening and bobby i'll talk to you next week all right mike thanks man all right thanks This has been the State of Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring
1: the insights of Longhorn recruiting analyst Mike Roach and hosted by Bobby Burton. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook them.
0: Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.